Radio News. Good afternoon, it's one o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. The headlines, the vice president of the mainland's top think tank on Hong Kong says he thinks Beijing will see the recent turmoil as a result of foreign interference. The SAR's most well-known pollster says he'll consider doing a survey on the recent troubles if he can raise enough money. And a leading counselling service says the number of people reaching out to it has gone up because of Hong Kong's political strife. The vice president of Beijing's top think tank on Hong Kong says the central government will see the recent turmoil here as an attempt by foreign authorities to gain control of the city and cause it to toughen its stance. Lao Tzu Kai from the Chinese Association of Hong Kong and Macau Studies says the extradition protests have caused the public's deep-rooted conflicts to erupt. Professor Lao cautioned against political reform. The major way out is for the government to practice uh, inclusionary governance. That means instead of changing the political system right away, which is almost impossible. Government should uh, allow more political forces, different interests, potentially young people to participate in the policy-making process and to make the policies uh, more beneficial to more people. And that is a kind of thing which Hong Kong can do at the present moment, instead of uh, arousing another debate on the political reform. Hong Kong's best-known pollster, Dr. Robert Chung, says he'll consider conducting surveys on the ongoing extradition saga at his newly launched Hong Kong Public Opinion Research Institute. He blamed the crisis on the government underestimating opposition to its extradition bill and trying to push its controversial policy through LegCo. He says he's raised over a million dollars so far but needs around six million for such a survey to go ahead. A lot of people are asking or demanding uh, some kind of investigation on the incident. I think this is a good reason why uh, we should be collecting public opinion on, let's say, whether or not to have an investigation. And if there is one, along which direction, uh, the time frame of it, the uh, important questions to be looked into. All these, of course, it could be decided without opinion surveys. So if there is interest, then we should do a survey on that. We are happy to take it on. But they have to pay for it. The prominent counselling service Samaritan Befrienders says it's seen a jump in the number of people reaching out to it, troubled by the ongoing political strife. Its executive director, Clarence Tsang, says it's received 42 requests for help since the first mass rally on June the 9th against the now-suspended extradition bill. He says that's about 30 cases more than the monthly average in relation to social issues social issues. Mr Sung says his organisation also visited protest sites near LegCo and found dozens of people who needed special help. A member of LegCo's governing body, Civic Party lawmaker Dennis Kwok, says he thinks it's the body's consensus that holding LegCo meetings at alternative venues is impractical. The building suffered major damage after hundreds of protesters stormed into it on Monday. Emerging from a LegCo commission meeting, Mr Kwok said the focus of LegCo staff now should be on repairs so that meetings can be held there again in October when the council's summer break ends. He says constitutionally the LegCo complex should be the only place to hold council meetings. We actually need over a thousand people to prepare for the meetings, to service the meetings, to actually have a system up and running to cater for meetings actually in very hard to do and also which building in Hong Kong would be willing to let us use as legislative council for the whole day or for a whole week that would require security and all the other arrangements to accommodate a legislative council meeting. 
But Mr Kwok says the pro-democracy camp does want to see non-controversial funding items passed as soon as possible. These include the building of hospitals and civil service pay rises. Mr Kwok says a discussion with other lawmakers and the Finance Committee Chief Chan Kim Poor is needed on the practical details of how that can be done. He says one idea is to vet the items by way of a written circular. For the livelihood items on the Finance Committee, we wish there is a way in which we could resolve those non-controversial ones so that the livelihood of the Hong Kong people will not be affected or will, the interference will be kept to minimum. If we do it by way of a circle, we have to adhere by the rules of procedure because so long as one member object, then we cannot do it by way of circulation. Neo-Democrat Gary Fan, however, says he opposes vetting funding items by a written circular. He's concerned that would set a bad precedent. The Foreign Office in London has summoned the Chinese ambassador Liu Xiaoming over Beijing's sharp criticism of the British Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt. The ambassador himself had earlier denounced Mr Hunt for supporting recent demonstrations in Hong Kong. They still regard Hong Kong and the British rule, and they, they, they forget that Hong Kong have not returned to the embrace of the motherland. So I, I, would, I would call them to hands off Hong Kong and you know, show respect of what has been achieved in Hong Kong. So but fundamentally, this uh, colonial mindset still haunted the minds of uh, some uh, officials or politicians. Mr Hunt replied with a tweet saying good relations were based on mutual respect and China needed to honor its commitments of preserving political freedoms in Hong Kong. Environmental group Green Power has warned that the government's Lantau Tomorrow Vision project will pose a serious threat to local butterfly populations. Senior Environmental Affairs Manager Matthew Sin says its annual butterfly survey shows the numbers are stable for now. But he says the government's plan to build artificial islands off Lantau for housing will likely increase the pace of development near sensitive butterfly habitats. We can imagine many butterfly hotspots along the southern side of the Lantau will be threatened by maybe construction of roads, raise in the land prices, and the pace of development will also increase rapidly. If this really happens, all the butterflies, they will lose their homes, their feeding grounds, their mating grounds. And finally, the butterfly ecology of these places will degrade. A tornado has ripped through the northeastern province of Liaoning, killing at least six people and destroying hundreds of thousands of homes. The tornado struck Kaiyuan yesterday, flattening dozens of buildings in an economic development zone in the city. Government forecasters have blamed the tornado and other extreme weather events on climate change. North Korea's mission to the United Nations has accused the United States of being more and more hell-bent on hostile acts against Pyongyang, despite President Trump wanting talks between the two countries. Here's the BBC's Lee Milner. In a statement, the mission said it was responding to a joint letter from the US, Britain, France and Germany to UN member states calling for all North Korean workers abroad to be sent home. The same day, President Donald Trump proposed a summit meeting with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. UN experts estimate that tens of thousands of North Koreans are sent abroad every year, mostly to China and Russia, working in slave-like conditions to generate hard currency revenue for Pyongyang. Sudan's military rulers and protest leaders will continue direct talks today to try to reach agreement on forming a new governing body to lead the country into elections. After a first round of fresh talks yesterday, the African Union mediator Mohamed El Hassan Lebat said Sudan's military rulers had agreed to release political prisoners, although he gave few details. 
It has been decided that the political prisoners who are related to the recent political events in the country should be released. The two sides have agreed on a number of issues of great importance. They have also decided to resume their meetings later to talk about other issues. The United Nations Security Council has failed to agree on a joint statement to condemn an air attack on a migrant camp in Libya in which 44 people were killed. Reports citing diplomats in New York indicated the United States wasn't prepared to support the text. Libya's UN-backed government and rebel militias have blamed each other for the attack. Earlier, the Secretary-General Antonio Guterres expressed outrage about the incident. His spokesman is Stefan Dujaric. He condemns this horrendous incident in the strongest terms and he expresses his deepest condolences to the families of the victims and wishes a quick recovery to those injured. The Secretary-General calls for an independent investigation of the circumstances of this incident to ensure that the perpetrators are brought to justice. It is important to note that the United Nations had provided exact coordinates of the detention center to the parties. The aircraft manufacturer Boeing is giving 100 million US dollars to support the families of the victims of the 737 MAX accidents in Indonesia and Ethiopia. Both planes crashed shortly after takeoff. Here's the BBC's Tom Burridge. The preliminary reports into each crash found that a flight control system, which could help prevent the plane from stalling, put each aircraft repeatedly into a nosedive. Now Boeing says it will compensate the families of the 346 people who were killed in the two crashes. That compensation has no bearing on lawsuits against Boeing. To date, around 50 lawsuits have been filed against the company on behalf of families of those killed on the Ethiopian Airlines flight, the second plane which crashed. One of the lawyers representing those families described the $100 million compensation as a first step. Prosecutors in the U.S. state of Alabama have dropped controversial manslaughter charges against a woman who lost her fetus after she was shot. They'd initially argued that she should be prosecuted because she'd started the altercation that led to the shooting. The decision was announced by the local district attorney, Lenise Washington. This is truly a disturbing and heartbreaking case. An unborn child was tragically lost, and families on both sides of this matter have suffered. Nothing, nothing, nothing we do today or in the future will change that reality. Saudi Arabia has announced the hip-hop star Nicki Minaj will headline a music festival in Jeddah this month. It's the latest sign of loosening restrictions in the ultra-conservative kingdom. There have recently been many performances there by Western pop stars. Here's the BBC's Sebastian Usher. That may just be one of many songs from Nicki Minaj's repertoire that will be seen as inappropriate for Saudi Arabia, where being caught drinking can see you jailed. Not long ago, Saudi morality police patrolled the shopping malls, chastising women for showing an inch of skin. But now they're gone. Many have welcomed the change, but there's been a conservative backlash too. Double standards are rife, as highlighted by one Saudi woman accusing the authorities of hypocrisy for welcoming the scantily clad Minaj, while Saudi women in the audience are forced to cover up. Quick look of finance. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index are at 28,823. That's down 31 points. And now with the sports news, here's Adam Jones. First to the Women's Football World Cup in France, where the European champions, the Netherlands, are through to face the defending champions, the United States, in Sunday's final. 
Netherlands defeated Sweden 1-0 after their semi-final match went to extra time, as the BBC's Alex Kapstick reports. In only their second World Cup, the Netherlands have reached the final. It might not have been the greatest performance from this team, but that will be of no concern to their players and their hordes of noisy fans, nearly all of them wearing orange. A largely disappointing game came to life in extra time, when the Dutch put together a slick passing move, which for once opened up the Swedish defence and gave Jackie Gronen the space to apply a sublime finish. It was a touch of class that Sweden, despite their long periods of possession, failed to muster. And so the Netherlands will be back here to face the United States in Sunday's final. It's a fantastic achievement by the Dutch, although on this evidence they'll have to raise their game or they could be in for a tough time against the defending champions. In the men's Copa America, Peru stunned the two-time defending champions Chile and will face host Brazil in the final. Goals from Edison Flores, Yoshima Yotun and Paulo Guerrero led Peru to a 3-0 win and a spot in the final for the first time since 1975 when they last won the South American tournament. Peru are heavy underdogs going into Sunday's final at the Maracanã in Rio de Janeiro. Brazil were 5-0 winners when the two teams met in the group stage. Now to tennis at Wimbledon, where the fairy tale continues for Coco Golf. The 15-year-old American is through to round three after a convincing win over Slovakia's Magdalena Rabiricova in straight sets. Golf is the youngest player in the Open era to reach the Wimbledon main draw. Like I wasn't expecting any of this. Um, a lot of celebrities were DMing me, posting me, and so like I'm kind of starstruck. Um, um, so <laughs> it's been hard to reset, and um, I don't know. The host nation England are through to the semifinals of the Cricket World Cup. They've confirmed a top four finish after a victory by 119 runs over New Zealand at Chester Le Street. England captain Owen Morgan says his team are now going to chill out before the semifinals. The last few weeks for us has been extremely intense. Um, we've gone through the, the highs and lows of winning and then performing at different stages and we're delighted to be through to the semi-finals. We'll have a few days off and then regroup, regroup a couple of days before the semi-finals but everybody's going to be encouraged to get away from the game. Despite the loss, New Zealand are expected to progress as the fourth place team. The Black Caps have played all their games. They hold a superior run rate over Pakistan in fifth. Pakistan play their final game tomorrow against Bangladesh. And that's your look at sports. Thanks, Atom. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The vice president of the mainland's top think tank on Hong Kong says he thinks Beijing will see the recent turmoil here as a result of foreign interference. The SAR's most well-known pollster says he'll consider doing a survey on the recent troubles if he can raise enough money. And a leading counselling service says the number of people reaching out to it has gone up because of Hong Kong's political strife. The news from RTHK.
I've been cheating on, cheating on you. You've been cheating on me. But I've been cheating through. 